Welcome to Combat Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated to UFC and Bellator discussion, the MMA community, and combat sports in general. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and joining me this week is the man with the keys to victory, John Keys. Hey, everybody. How's it going this week? It's been uh, two weeks now, hasn't it? Two weeks, because I was in the great nation of the Netherlands in Amsterdam. Talking to Mr. Jones? Yes, talking. Yeah, so so yeah, it was funny because you you made that reference this morning. I'm like, what are you talking about? Exactly, he is not a true '90s child. I am, okay, I am a true that. '90s child. I, I question it. I question it. You know, I mean, it was like you know, you're down at the New Amsterdam. Yes, you and Mr. Jones striking up a conversation. The New yeah. Amsterdam, and what oh, we know new historically, okay. New Amsterdam wasn't it New York? New York. Yes, it was New York, yes. So... But, but the real history behind that song was Mr. Jones is actually a, a, is like a longtime friend of, of him. as like a childhood buddy. Yeah. And they were at the they were at the bar at New, New Hampshire in San Francisco because the Counting Crows is a California band. Okay. And they were sitting at the bar and Marty Jones is the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Was the guy's name, and his dad was a flam- is, is the flamin- is the guitarist for the flamenco dancer because he's a flamenco guitarist for a dance troupe. And they were they were from Spain. They they just came in from Spain and they were doing a a, a dance. Huh? Well, and and so they got drunk, went home, went to a bar, and they saw Chris Isaac there. Well, uh, uh, one of the bassists for Chris Isaac's band were like three chicks. That's where the chorus came from. Uh-huh. But anyway. Hey, I I didn't know that. That's actually really interesting. Well, that's what I do, man. I learned something for today. All right. Well, but by the way, Amsterdam was awesome. It was very cool. Uh, got to walk the city. It's a very old city. The cool thing about the the buildings in Amsterdam is they're old, and they actually go up at like kind of an angle, and you know, it's it's just they. They're they're not straight buildings. They're 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 crooked and stuff. And I think that's just the the nature of it being an old city. You know, it's all canals and things like that. So, it, just the architecture and just the aesthetic of this place was just a really cool place to walk through. That's that's actually kind of interesting. They were all the buildings were slanted. Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't extreme slant, but it was slanted uh-huh. enough that when you see the buildings. Uh-huh. You could look at it and you're like, that's weird. The building actually goes at an angle. So, and it's not every one of them, but some of them lean towards the street. Some of them lean, and, and, and you know, we were wondering whether or not the building, the building frame leans or if it's actually leaning the building. So that means if you were to put like a marble on the floor inside, if it would just roll to the side, or if the floors have been leveled, even though the building is crooked. Uh-huh. That's strange. You should have had a marble, dude. Well, I'd ha- I I would have had to have gone into somebody's house. I mean, that's the crazy thing is, right, is that you're uh, walking by and these are all people's houses. Tons and tons of bicycles. They don't exaggerate. There are bicycles everywhere. My friend who, my friend, uh, who's from, from Canada was saying that the two things you have to do is, one, you have to wreck a bike, and two, you have to get hit by someone on a bike. I didn't have either one of those things happen, but uh, apparently <laughs> those things happen very regularly. Well, you weren't doing a full immersion into the culture. So. so the one thing that I did that was immersion into the culture was I got French fries with mayonnaise on it. Oh, my Jesus. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I like French fries. Okay. I like yes, mayonnaise. I never thought to put it on top. So it was funny because I got French fries the first time, and I thought it was cheese because Amsterdam is just such a place that's known for its cheese. That you, um, when I saw people eating these French fries with this just melt, what looked like melted white stuff on top, I was like, oh, it's cheese fries. So I want to try some, you know. Uh uh And so when uh I went to go get the fries, the guy's like, do you want ketchup or do you want mayonnaise? And I'm like, gross. I don't want mayonnaise. (laughs) And I really don't want ketchup because that gets messy. So I just ate the fries. And then later, my sister-in-law was sending me a note on Facebook and was like, Hey, have you tried French fries with mayonnaise? And I'm like, uh, there's a lady who was uh, Dutch in in the room. I'm like, is French fries with mayonnaise a thing in 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 the Netherlands? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, so that's what that stuff was on top of the fries. So I had to go and try it. It wasn't terrible. I ate the whole thing, but 
so my question is was the was the mayonnaise taste different yeah it, it was mayonnaise or did it just taste like mayo it just tastes like mayo it wasn't like miracle whip it was like more like yeah. hellman's you know so yeah okay all right I, I, I think well i've seen british people do it but you know, I, we digress. There's violence to be talked There is about. violence to be talked about. Let's get right into it. We want to talk about some actual mixed martial arts. And we missed out on picking these fights, but let's get into the official decision. This is the official decision. This is where we look at the results from the fights this past weekend, the main one we're going to talk about is UFC Fight Night Benavidez versus Figueredo. That was February 29th, Leap Day, uh, at Chartway Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Let's just say this right off the bat. This was kind of a hot mess. A uh, hot mess indeed. And I want to add in something that you just said. Uh, I did have my picks. And if you're not using Verdict to, to, pick, to, to show your picks, you ought to do so. Ryan's on it. I myself is on it. George is on mm-hmm. it. If you had been, if you had been on it, you would have saw it this week. I was. I only missed one fight, and the only reason why I missed that one fight was because I had I had a last minute intuition, and it it went wrong. It went real wrong, oh. real wrong, real quick. But we'll talk about that on the way in. All right, here but we yes, go. It was a hot mess. Let's go. Let's go through it. Grant Dawson defeated Derek Miner via submission in the round in second round megan anderson i mean this is megan anderson i i was on the megan anderson hype train for just a little while uh then she she got to the ufc because she was from invicta she was a champion yes. in invicta at 145 pounds came to the united the, the ufc and just started getting wrecked and i'm like okay i gotta get yeah. off this hype train but megan anderson <laughs> defeated norma dumont viana via first round knockout um, so, I mean, she's a big girl. I mean, you look at Megan Anderson and she is just a massive specimen of a female. I think she has to cut down to 145 pounds. Um, and she feels like this defeat of Norma, uh, Viana is enough for her to call out Amanda Nunes. What do you think about her performance? Um, I'll say this. Okay. So about Megan Anderson, cause she's, uh, and, and, you know, take it for what it is. She's an olive skin woman. No, okay? she's not. And, She's got olive skin, or she's just pasty. Mm-mm. Okay, olive skin. No, that is not Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson is translucent. Just saying. <laughs> Regardless, when I saw her, okay, when she was getting off the off the off the poor girl, she had this look in her eye. I don't know if it was what it was about her eyes and her face, but there was a face there that I was like, it was horror scene worthy. So I was like. This woman can call out whoever she wants to, and I'm not going to disagree. So, make an answer. Good job calling out Amanda Nunes. Don't come for me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but let's just say, Amanda. I mean, uh, Megan Anderson is, 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 is. She could get a sunburn from a nightlight. I, I can believe that. Uh, she gets. <laughs> saying. All right. Let's continue. Magomed Ankalev defeated Ian Kutalaba. Oh, is it Ian or Ion? I think it's Ion. It's Ion. It's Ion. Ion Kutalaba via first round TKO. 38 seconds in the first round. Now, this was what we're calling a bad stoppage. If you And people have had have shown the video. But this is one where uh, and Kalev just starts, he, I mean, he starts fast, lands a bunch of punches, and Ion is just like acting like he's, like he's, he's rocked. But he's mm-hmm. throwing bombs. I mean, he is still rah, throwing these big shots. And uh-huh. the referee jumps in and stops the fight. And it's clearly that he is, I mean, when he, when the ref stops the fight, you can see he is completely aware of what's going on. He the, he is not in any danger. He took some damage, but he didn't look like he was getting ready to be rocked. No, no. I mean, there's three takeaways you could take from this fight. First off, um, the Kutalaba, or we'll call him Ion. Ion here. He he. The stance that he was taking was similar to what you saw on Mike Tyson punch out. If you ever watched Raging Bull on Mike Tyson punch out, he literally took that same stance. The head movement and everything. So, two. 
Every, yes, if you look, it does. But two. No, no, both, wait, 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 wait. Raging Bull on Mike Tyson's Punch Out? Yeah. You mean Bald Raging. Bull? Oh, Bald Bull. Raging Bull is the second. It's a movie. Version. No, no. With, Raging Bull. With the, Robert De Niro. The second, second, the second version of Bald Bull in the World Heavyweight in the world heavyweight Circuit is nicknamed Raging Bull. Check it out. Don't make me. Don't make me. Don't. You don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm just saying, I'll, like, okay. it, this is one of those times I feel pretty confident that you're wrong. It's Ball Bull movie, both the times. Movie, okay, he is called Raging Bull the second time. We will, we will, we will continue this on the offline. Don't worry, people. I got receipts for him. Okay, and yes, the movie was Raging Bull with Robert De Niro. Secondly, uh, he fooled everybody, including the ref. With that, with the, with the, with playing possum, and three hands off to the ref for being brave enough to run in there in the middle of a haymaker that he was throwing. Okay, he could have got mollywopped and wiped him out for the rest of that night. Okay, that's all. I mean. All right. So, um, Raging Bull. no, Raging Bull. It, 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 it's it's not it's it's ball bull. There's a, there's, bull. there's no raging bull. The second version of Ball Bull is is Ball Bull. Here, I'm going to do some talking. Why don't you go and look it up, and then I can play the the crow sound for all our listeners. Okay, you know what? Challenge itself. All right, so so it was a bad stoppage. It was everyone was upset. Uh, So the uh, Kutalabra's corner. They're actually reaching out to the Norfolk Norfolk um, uh, Commission to have this TKO overturned because it's clearly it's a bad stoppage. It shouldn't have been stopped. And unfortunately, uh, it, it was. In the co-main event, Felicia Spencer defeated Z- Zara uh, Fairn DeSantos via first-round TKO. So Felicia Spencer is another person. Now, she's fighting at 135, which is bantamweight. She also called out Amanda Nunes because now you've got a, a Megan Anderson who's calling out at the 145 and Amanda Nunes. Now, Amanda Nunes says she's going to defend both belts. But at, at the same time, I, I don't know really what what she's going to do with two challengers. Did you find the answer? I got the answer right here. It's Ball Bull 2. Hmm. Ball Bull yeah. 2. Hmm. Yeah. Ball Bull Two, Raging Bull, Mm-mm. just like, uh, uh, just like uh, Piston Honda, uh, the second version of Piston Honda is called Turbo Honda. All right. Oh no, no, no. Okay, so apparently I'm gonna have to show video of him looking at this, and then we'll just. That's what I, I'm, I'm doing. just. That's I'm just there. saying. What? what okay. What? What, what right gaming now. system are you looking at? Because Mike NES. Tyson, Mike Tyson's Punch Out is Mike Tyson's Punch Out is on NES, and it was Ball Bull both times. Ball Bull the first time, but the second Ball Bull is is nicknamed Raging Bull. Okay, I'm just saying. People, if you know this, if you're a true gamer, unlike my co-host here, can you please just let him out and just, you know, just let him know. Just let him know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, bro. Bro. You, you're, you're gonna have to sh- you're, you're, you're gonna have to show me because I'm looking at punchoutfandom.com, the wiki on Ball Bull, and it's Ball Bull. Oh, there is no right, Raging okay. Bull. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay. all right. Like I said, do they call Pissin' the second version of uh, the second coming of Pissin' Honda, Turbo Honda? No, it's Piston Honda. That, so the second version of Piston Honda is not called Turbo yeah, Honda. Yeah, what's the second version of Don Flamenco called? Uh, Don Flamenco, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Hey, that's interesting. Yeah, just it saying. That, 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 I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm saying. just saying. I'm, we we digress. Let's continue. All right. Yes. He's wrong. In the main event of the evening, Davidson Figueredo defeated Joseph Benavides via second round TKO. It was it was a it was a butt whooping. It was it was not even really close. Um, the bad thing about this fight is that this was for the um, 125 pound flyweight title. If Figueredo would have made weight. He would now be the 125-pound champion, but he missed weight by 2.5 pounds. And when you're fighting for a championship fight, you cannot miss weight by anything. you got to be 125.0 on the nose 
anything more, and it's not a title fight. And unfortunately, exactly. because Figueredo was 2.5 pounds over, he could fight in the main event, but it would not be for a title. And so he knocked out. I mean, he just whooped Benavidez. And uh, okay, he whooped. Well, let's him. Not do... <sighs> whooped. He whooped him. He blood. He head butted him. Got him bloody, and when Benavides went to wipe it, wipe the blood, he said, guess what you should have done? Pow! And that was it. I'm not taking anything away from, from the God of War, okay? He did his job. It sucked that, that, you know, that they said medically he couldn't lose anything else. Okay, so I get that. I understand. It sucked. But at the same time, Joe, don't wipe your face, dude. When you're ble- just bleed, okay? Yeah. Just bleed. Don't do anything, but it was a. It, I mean, the blood was literally just flowing out of Benavides. So the cra- so. the crazy thing is, is that mm-hmm. as we all know, Joseph Benavides is the husband of Megan O'Leavy, who works the show. Really, I didn't know that. Oh, as we all know, except for John Keys. Yes. So Joseph Benavides and Megan O'Leavy are married, and so she was working the show. Yes. And so she got to see all of that happen, and you know, he said that this is a fight that he will never ever forget. Now, the the silver lining for him is that because this fight, the the one the flyweight belt is still um, it, the the flyweight belt is still up for grabs. Dana White is considering running this whole thing back. And letting them fight again. What do you think about that? I don't know how I feel about that. I, I think that Joseph lost. Mm-hmm. So I think it should be the God of War again mm-hmm. versus the next man down. Okay. Because Joe, Joe lost. He, I'm sorry. Nothing against Joe. He put his heart out there. It wasn't your day, dude. And you got knocked out. It's possible that Juicy F. Omega might be the next guy that he would fight. So. We'll, yeah, we'll, that would be the, be the logical we'll choice. Sir. So there you go. The hot mess that was UFC Fight Night Benavidez versus Figueredo in Norfolk, Virginia. Let's go into Finding the Angles. All right, this is Finding the Angles. This is where we look at the headlines that are making waves in the UFC world. Um, you know, because we were in, because I was in, me, because I was in uh, Amsterdam, I didn't. we didn't get to talk about uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. And yeah. I have just been fascinated about this whole thing. So we got to talk about it. It's got to be something that we're going to have to spend time on. <laughs> there's, I mean, okay, we just spent a few minutes on because there's not really... <laughs> All right, the fight happened. The fight happened. It was, uh, oh, the fight happened. Oh, I know why you don't want to spend time on this fight. I understand why. Why? Why is that? Because this is yet another time when I have to do this. No. I got to play the crows. Why do I got to play the crows? Because back in, Fe- no, back in like September of 2019, I was I like, Fury is going to win this fight, and you did not believe Fury was going to win this fight. George did not believe Fury was going to win this fight. KC didn't believe they were going to. My fraternity brothers did not say that that, that I was the only one on Tyson Fury. I'm the only one who said Tyson Fury was going to win the fight. I didn't think he was going to do what he did. I thought he was going to win by decision, but it didn't have to go to the cards because this fight got finished in the seventh round. And it was it was kind of like a, a, a moment where you know that something went wrong in somebody's mind, and because you know if you watch the pre-fight, you know you see you know you see Wilder sitting there in his zone and his mindset. You know he's stretching out, he's getting loose and everything. And then you see Fury over there choosing this, choosing which crowd to walk out on. You know he's dancing and everything like that. And then at the last moment. They cut the feed in this in this locker room. Right. They tried to cover the camera, and it, could, it wouldn't cover up, so they, they unplugged the camera. And at that moment, I was like, oh, somebody's in trouble. Who was in trouble? And, oh, Wilder was in trouble. Okay, Wilder was in trouble at that moment. And I was like, oh, okay. And when he came out there, you saw the eyes. And 
the eyes told the tale like, oh, I'm coming to get this. Okay, I'm coming to get this, and I'm coming to, to make people understand. So, and he did. So let's talk a little bit about the walkouts because we're going to get into okay. the next the, the next topic on this. Let's just say uh, Deontay Wilder got got dropped in the third, which was like the first time he'd ever been knocked down, and then yes. um, he got hit in the ear and he was bleeding in the ear. People thought he had yes. a ruptured eardrum, which would have explained a lot of his his uh, inability to kind of keep his balance and things like that. But it turns out it was right. just a scratch in the ear. It was not a butt ruptured eardrum. And then uh, and then uh, Tyson Fury got the better of Deontay Wilder in the seventh. And uh, Deontay Wilder's corner threw in the towel, which is basically a surrender. Um, yes. And uh, the fight was over. Tyson Fury emerged as the WBC heavyweight champion. Yes. Um I could, we could, we could, you know, break it down. Basically, it was a brawler versus a technical, technical fighter from round one. I, and I'll tell, and I told people beforehand, it really depends on how he, or how Wilder fights, because Fury's going to come out there and be a technical fighter. He's going to mm-hmm. keep him at range, and he's going to blast him. It was Wilder's plan. It should have been Wilder's plan to go in there and do some dirty inboxing. Right. And it, but and it when does he ever box like that, though? He does he ever box like that? No, he just throws. He just sits there and tries to measure and throw that right hand. Boom, measure but and see, throw that right hand. Like he's a he's a he's he ultimately became a one trick pony, and that cost him his title. But see, if you watch the fight in like the sixth or right at, right before he got knocked out, he started doing some dirty inboxing. Guess what? Totally effective. Okay. Fury had no type of uh, defense for it. And I was like, why weren't you doing that from the get-go? Because when you sat there and you sat at his range, I was like, oh, you're about to die. Okay, you're about to die in this ring. And sure enough, pillow to post. He was getting he was getting blasted because he wouldn't and go in. Because if you go in on a technical fighter, you, got, you force that technical fighter to fight dirty. And that's the only way that can be done. I wish... George was here to be a little bit more technical, but back me up on this. But, you know, I, I, I just thought that it was a whoever came up with that game plan for a Wilder. Uh, yeah, they need to be let go real real quick. Like, yeah, we're going to get to that in a moment. Um, now, this was a spectacle from the get go. I mean, ESPN mm-hmm. was behind it. Um, I think it was Showtime Boxing. Maybe I don't know who the other yeah. promoter was, but this was the first time that two major promotions kind of come uh, came together in order to uh, promote the fight. They've had specials. They've done all kinds of things. And so coming to the ring, they had people literally carrying uh, Tyson Fury in a throne to the ring. He's wearing a crown because his nickname is the Gypsy King. And basically, they walked him on, I don't know what you call it whenever you carry a throne uh, and have people carrying your throne, but they carried him all the way to the ring. Conversely, because it was happening in February, uh, Deontay Wilder walks out in this elaborate costume, this massive costume with this skull-faced crown all rhinestone. I'm not going to assume that it's not diamonds. Rhinestone encrusted, uh, <laughs> encrusted costume that had LED lights lighting up the eyes. And as he's walking through, there are, he's walking past panels that are flashing through, you know, legendary African-American historic figures. Because this was all in, in honor of um, Black History Month taking place in February. Um, and he really tried to make this uh, out to be kind of a black versus white kind of thing. You know, and 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 Tyson was having none of it. He's like, no, I'm not even going to going to even entertain this notion that this is a black person versus a white person. These are two boxers. We're boxing. But but Deontay Wilder really wanted to uh, lean into the 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 prestige that Black History Month gave, you know, put on that particular event that day. So he walks out to the ring with this elaborate outfit on. Um, gets into the ring, and then gets his tail whipped. And then we get the excuse as to why he lost, and it was because of the costume. He said that the costume that had not been worn before, he had no idea how heavy it was going to be. It was 40 pounds, and him walking to the ring wearing that outfit (coughs) 
was too much for him. His legs were done, and he wasn't able to uh, to compete. So my question for you, John, are you buying yeah. this? Are you buying that the the costume was too heavy, and that's why he wasn't Deontay Wilder wasn't able to compete at full capacity? Absolutely not. Okay, for three reasons. All right. All right. First reason, and the most and the most compelling one. The other two are just shenanigans. The first reason was back in 2018, he did a he did a podcast with Joe Rogan where he says that he regularly trains with 45 pounds on him at all times. That's 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 all I need to hear. Okay, mm-hmm. you train with this regularly. Right. You should be used to 45 pounds. The second reason why is that, and this is my personal reason why. You walked out there to that ring with that on. That means you walked in that ring. You walked. You climbed through the ropes. You said you were 100% as far as I'm concerned. I don't want to hear excuses. Excuses are for weak people. You're not a weak person. Okay? You are a dominant monster fighter. All right? You win so much more. And I wish people would understand this. You win so much more in the humility and, and of losing. Okay, being humble when you lose, I just got beat. I got, I, you know, I went in there with a game plan. He went in on a game plan. His game plan was better tonight. Mm-hmm. The dude is heavier than me. He leaned in on me. Yeah, okay? and let's let, 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 let's talk about uh, let's talk about the fan to the fans on this. Is Tyson Fury was very upfront. He switched his 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 uh, coaches in in mid training camp. And basically told everyone that he was going to come in weighing 270 pounds or more, and he was going to beat up Deontay Wilder, and he felt like he was going to get a stoppage. And that's exactly what he did. Continue. Yes. You you were on two or three. Yeah, and the third one, which is the most important one and and the funniest one, um, if you go back to UFC 6. 6? No, I take it back. It was 3. 3. Because 3... Three was the introduction of Kimo Leopoldi. Okay, and and for those who don't know, he's he's a he was a uh, a mixed martial artist, ta- black belt in Taekwondo, evangelist from uh, Hawaii. He came out with, I would say, as big as a telephone pole. He carried a cross, okay, literal cross to the ring, okay, full. Pull out like this. Oh my Had gosh! Joe's son walking towards it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this cross. It it, it it's literally a big old cross. It says it's a, it's Jesus a loves pole. you. Repent. That, yeah. that's a big old that's a big old cross. And you see, and you see how much he's struggling there, right? He's he's struggling, but not really. Well, I mean, it's a still still photo. I can't tell. Oh well, uh, oh, there's a video, but he still jumped in the ring and what and what butt? Okay, after that, so. I'm sorry, 45 pounds versus a telephone pole. You, you I'm sorry, dude. You, you, you're losing me. You, you lost me. All right. Chemo, that's the chemo defense, by the way. <laughs> well, Dana White gave gave it some juice. He said that he thought that it was one of the reasons why uh, why Tyson Fury won uh, or why Deontay Wilder lost, and which is why one of the reasons why he doesn't tolerate goofy outfits coming to the. Uh, to the to the to the cage in the UFC. Now here's the other here's the other part of that story. Fans are accusing Tyson Fury of cheating. So in if you go on the internet and look at the uh, Tyson Fury Wilder, you'll get these pictures that people are actually saying that why uh, um, Deon, um, Tyson Fury has his left hand inside the glove. So normally you have your hand in the glove and and you can make a fist. But mm-hmm. what you can do, or what they're saying that he did, is that the glove is all around like that, that his his hand is actually here in the wrist part of the um, of the glove. And so when he's fighting, there's this flopping that's taking place as he's throwing jabs and punches and things like that. So the question that I have for you is, do you give any juice to the fact that perhaps... Tyson Fury is cheating by having his hand not fully in the glove as per the uh, the regulation and the rules. You just want to cue my music. That's what that is. Oh, is that, is okay. that it? Is that it? Okay, well, that you, you go right ahead. 
you know? Is there a conspiracy here? I'm going to say no, because I, I was looking at the fight. I saw the punches. I, I can't I can't comment on that. I don't think it was. I've seen still photos of it that were from a previous fight that was kind of janky. And I'm like, okay, but for this one, I don't know, man. I have to go back and watch. I really do have to go back and watch. Well, here's the thing. I'll give you some reasons why I think it's, it's all bogus. Number one, um, it's... The, the fights are taking place in, in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is one of the boxing capitals of the world. If, if you could just slide your hand out of the glove and, and there are commission people all around there that someone would notice. You know, they even interviewed Stitch Duran, who was in, in, the, in the Fury camp, and Stitch was like, I was there. I saw them wrap his hands. I saw them put the gloves on. There's no way. Two, I don't even know how you slide it. Once you get it all taped on your hand, how do you then slide that, you know, that 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 glove in, in a way that it, you're going to actually be able to move your hand like that? Additional to that, what I really think is happening is that, you know, the way De Deontay Wilder also kind of measures a person. I really think that uh, that what we're seeing is Tyson Fury throwing out a jab that is that is an open hand. So, okay. so what you're what, what it's not a closed fist. He's not throwing. You know what we know is that an open hand moves faster than a, than a, than a, than a, than, a, than a fist, right? So right. he's able to throw that jab a lot faster with an open hand, and all he's doing is just touching him, disorienting him, getting his hand in his face. You know whatever it is that you want to call it, but he's waiting to throw that other punch. And so what we're really seeing is is Tyson Fury using an open hand as opposed to a closed hand for his jabbing and 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 distance measuring. Um, yeah, that makes that because see that makes total sense because it's not like you know Vegas would be known for rigging boxing matches or anything. Mm -hmm. All right, you know, it's not like Vegas is a former mob city or anything. The last thing is this. If you've got visual evidence that some wrongdoing is going on, why didn't Deontay Wilder's camp take this to the commission and say, we believe that some cheating was going on? Because I think he was too busy trying to kill people in his camp at that time, but especially the guy that like threw the, threw the towel in there. Well, ring. let's talk about it. So, so right. Deontay Wilder was upset with his corner man because he threw in the towel, and Deontay Wilder has... The Apollo Creed rule, which is you never throw in the towel no matter how bad I'm getting beat up. And we know how that worked out for Apollo Creed. Yeah. Yeah, we did. If he dies. I understand. He if dies. he dies, he dies. Yes, exactly. And uh, you know what? I understand. I, I I get it. All right. But, all right, at the same time, you can't be mad at the dude that saved your life. Right. All right dude, you, know, you can't be mad, but at the same time... I get it. I understand. Yes, right. it's you embarrassing. Don't want to see that dude. It's yeah, it's it's it it's embarrassing when you're when you're undefeated and you're reigning, you know, WBC champion to have the towel thrown in on you, uh, thrown in for you is embarrassing. You mean ask KC if you ever if we ever see him again. Um he Did you kill him? No, I did not. Uh but in his first fight, he fought Ticket Fight Night. Are you sure? <laughs> I did not. Uh in in his first fight at Ticket Fight Night. Uh, here in Dallas, um, I'm not playing it. I'm not playing it. I'm not playing it. Anyway, um, in his first fight at Ticket Fight Night, he uh, he was fighting this guy, and I was his I was in his corner along with one of the the officials uh, from from uh, uh, Bernie and me, who which was the the gym that was putting on the uh, that was sanctioning the fights along with USA Boxing. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, I told KC, I was like, KC, whatever you do, you've got three rounds. Just take it slow. Just take it slow. Jab, touch the guy. KC comes out in the first round, punches this guy once, hit him right to the nose, bloodies the guy's nose, and KC starts chasing this dude left and right, trying to knock this guy out. Gasses himself out in the first round. Second round comes out. He's gassed, but he's going to sit there and try to fight. 
He can't even hold his hands up, and the guy gets the better of him. And the other guy, not me, the other guy in Casey's corner throws in the towel for him, and therefore Casey loses his first of many fights that he loses. Um, and so uh, it, there is a level of embarrassment because, you know, as a fighter, you believe I'm still in this fight. I can still win this fight. And we know what kind of power Deontay Wilder has. But you just could see him the way that he was looking. He was defeated. And he was just going to start taking more and more damage. This was a 12-round fight. He had five rounds to go. This wasn't going to get any better. And it was the best idea to live to fight another day. They got another fight scheduled for July 18th in Vegas. Go back and win your title there. If you would have, yeah. if he would have gone through and 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 actually fought all those other rounds, he may not have been able to recover in time for them to be able for him to be able to make the 30-day uh, uh, rematch. Act, activate the clause in the contract uh, within 30 days for a rematch. I agree. Um... We've seen that look too many times in the, in, in the octagon where a fighter's just defeated. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it was air apparent with, with Wilder. So, I mean, you just I, I, I like I said I get it. I understand. You want to be a warrior. You want to you want to go out. You know, on the canvas. He's got to knock me out to take me out. I get that, but you know, your team was looking out for you. Right. All right. Don't be mad at them. You know, be mad. Be mad at at, at your at at the at the preparation for your performance. Be mad at your costume if you're gonna be mad at something. Oh God, we're not going there. Be mad at yourself for, for picking that. Yeah, costume. Be, yeah. Actually, be mad at yourself for putting the costume on and going, "Wow, this is heavier than I thought it was gonna be." Yet I'm still gonna walk it out because what is more important to me is how I look walking to the ring. And so ultimately we got the priorities mixed up. So be mad at yourself for mixing up priorities and saying, I would rather wear a, a, a costume that I believe is too heavy rather than not wear a costume, walk out and keep my belt and get a shot potentially at, at Anthony Joshua. I mean, that's what it costs you. Nah. The word is hubris. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go. Let's move on. Because there's other things that we didn't get to talk about that I want to talk about. And Diego Sanchez, um, the nightmare, Diego Sanchez, used to be, I I would say used to be, I don't know, I can't speak for George and I can't speak for KC, um, used to be a, 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 a... you know, big favorite of the show. We we all supported Diego Sanchez. He was the original Ultimate Fighter. This was a guy that when you watched him fight, you knew you were going to watch an amazing, active wrestler who could ground and pound you, who could turn this into that dirty brawl that, that you know, all of us as MMA fans like to watch. And yeah. what ended up happening is he recently left his camp that he had been at forever at uh, in Albuquerque, at Jackson Winklejohn and started working with someone named Joshua Fabia. And this guy um, is a guy who basically runs a, a a practice, I guess I'll call it a practice, of kind of spiritual healing mixed with martial arts, mixed with all different types of, of, of philosophies that um, really... L- I'm trying to be nice here. It, it, that didn't work, okay? That did not work in the ring, okay? He ta- he got some dude that believes in Hadouken, okay? That believes in the spirit of Hadouken to, that, that throws fireballs and wipes out a wave of people. And it, it was bad. It was really bad. It was not the, the Diego Sanchez that, we've, that we're known to love. He was not the nightmare that day. He was not even the dream. He was not Lionheart. He was just... He was just not our Diego. So um, yeah, and so the, the the big challenge is because of these unorthodox coaching methods. And let's just be clear: Joshua Fabia is not just the coach, but he's the nutritionist, and he's also the manager, and he's also everything. He he has basically taken over all of the other roles and responsibilities around the care and preparation of Diego Sanchez. These are roles that typically are held by four or five individuals, and Diego Sanchez is trusting this guy with all of them. So Fabia is 
the sole person in his corner. Normally, you have three people in your corner. Fabia is the only person in in in, in uh, Diego Sanchez's corner, and so because of these unorthodox decisions that being made, the MMA community is really coming to Diego Sanchez's. Uh, uh, aid to say, listen, this guy is not good for you. Hey, this guy is not leading you down a path that you um, that's going to lead you to success. Actually, we are all concerned for you, and we believe that you may be brainwashed. And we know that Diego Sanchez has taken the most number of strikes to hit the head in UFC history. He holds the record. I think it's like one thousand three hundred and something strikes to the head. So it's something awful, yeah. So, so he is ripe. I, I would say he is ripe for the picking for someone who is charismatic and who is able to create a sense of uh, of, of mysticism around Diego Sanchez, and I believe that he's fallen hook, line, and sinker. I'm actually really concerned about Diego Sanchez. As am I. Um, that dude, uh, I, the, to use the word cult leader is really strong, but I'm finding a lack of a better word to describe this dude. Because I've, I've tried looking for him on the internet, and I'm getting, because of everything that's happening, I'm getting halves, half truths and half myths. I've, I've read somewhere that he's a Sistema fighter. I've read somewhere that he knows Kung Fu. I've read, you know, I, which I'm like, that That may be all well and good. None of, neither system translates well, well into sports. Well, Let's put that but there. here's the thing, too, is that, you know, there have been videos that have been put, and these are all alleged. I'm not going to give any type of credit to these videos as being, um, you know, you know, good journalism or whatever. But, right. you know, there's accusations that Fabia has actually created this persona that he's that he that he's using with fake social media accounts because there are people who've been posting, you know, praising his, his skill. And then when you go to find whether or not that person exists, the account doesn't exist anymore. And so it's like, right. you know, there's all of these questions that are swirling around this relationship between Fabia and Sanchez. And 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 they went on Ariel Hawani and they went on Luke Thomas's show to kind of try to clear the air. And, you know, they are really fighting back saying, listen, stay out of our business. You don't know us. You don't know what we're doing. We're actually doing uh, better than Diego Sanchez has ever done. And Fabia is, you know, th the sole deliverer of this new fighting style that's keeping Diego Sanchez from getting, you know, uh, getting taken as much damage as he's taken. They even released a video of the, the his, Diego Sanchez's last fight, showing all the places where Diego Sanchez blocked or dodged or avoided damage in the fight. Now, when I watched that, even though they were saying that Diego Sanchez was avoiding fights and uh, avoiding strikes and all those kind of things, it it sure looked like he was taking a lot of damage. So, um, I, I just I would be. I'd be pressed to see this to see this video myself because the video the the fight I saw he was eating sandwiches all day and of the knuckle variety yeah okay well knees flying yeah. knees all kinds of stuff so you know they're they're really trying to say hey Diego Sanchez put on as good a performance as he could ha have against his opponent but I just simply think that there are so many red flags with this J Joshua Fabia guy I just I. It breaks my heart to see Diego Sanchez's career end the way that it looks like it's going to end because he can't keep losing and he can't keep having all of this, all of this craziness surrounding him uh, and stay in the UFC. Dana White is not going to stand for that. I hope not. Uh, Uncle Uncle Dana, do the right thing. Uh, wasn't Cowboy and and Diego like good friends? At some point, I'm sure they were because they both trained at uh, at Jackson Winklejohn in in, in Albuquerque. But I would think that you know that you know Cowboy would reach out and be like, "Hey, man, you know, get away from this dude. You know, come train with me. Something. All right, get him because I mean, if you're truly a friend of Diego, you will get you you will talk to him. Mm -hmm. Send him that. And we understand mm -hmm. he's a man that he's an adult. He knows he ultimately makes that decision. But if you're a true friend, 
talk to Diego. Diego Sanchez is so dialed in. He is so dialed in with this that he is not listening to anything. I, I will talk about. I have a friend who um, who was dating this girl, and yeah. um, and he was infatuated with her. He was uh, amazed by her intellect, and everything she did was just gold. And I'm telling him, I'm like, hey, this girl's bad for you. This girl's causing you to make decisions that are not in your best interest. And he was like. At one point, after months of me telling him this girl's bad for you, he stopped me and he says, you know what, Ryan? I know she's bad for me, but I'm making this decision anyway. And I said, hey, I, wow. you're, you're my friend and I'll always be your friend, but I'm going to I'm going to let it go now. You you, you have to have to you know deal with the consequences and those consequences eventually did come. And it took him a few years to 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 pull himself out of the the the, the financial constraints that he was under, the depression that he was under, all of those things. He eventually had to pull himself out. And he's doing great now. But the point I'm making is, is that when a person believes in their heart that they are making the right decision. There is no, there's nothing you or I or Cowboy Cerrone could say that's going to get Diego Sanchez to see the light until he's down at the bottom of the pit and he's looking up and that's the only way he can go. And so we just have to sit and watch and wait and be there for Diego Sanchez when he realizes that what I believe is true uh, is Fabia is bad for him, and Fabia is basically a stink old salesman who's taking advantage of Diego Sanchez. That's my opinion, because I don't want to get sued for for slander. Right, right. But, because that's what this show is. It's a show of opinion. But I'm just saying, I think that this is bad. And think, speaking of things that are bad, Henry Cejudo versus Jose Aldo at UFC 250. That's bad, too. Now do, It needs to happen. Okay, it really needs to happen. You know, I'm going to watch it, but I just don't I, I I don't like the fact that this fight is happening where Henry Cejudo is as is the champion at 135 pounds. Jose Aldo came down from 145 pounds to fight um Marlon Moraes at uh at 135 pounds. The judges awarded the fight to Marlon Mahes. However, Dana White felt like Jose Aldo won. Henry Zahudo felt like Jose Aldo won. And so regardless of the fact that you got Corey Sanhagen, regardless of the fact that you got Aljermaine Sterling or Peter Yan, they're all two, three, and four in the uh in in in, in the 135 pound division. You're gonna give a guy a title shot at 135 pounds over these guys when he lost his last fight. That that is an L on his record. Yes. But this has to happen. Just to shut him up. Okay. What you think Don't you think Cejudo's gonna gonna get shut up? No. Cejudo's gonna take Jose Aldo down to the ground and he's just gonna lay on him like he did D- uh, Demetrius Johnson. Ooh. I hope not. I, I would like to think that the, that the King of Rio is, is going to be smarter than that and that he'll be able to do more than the greatest, you know, martial art, one of the greatest martial artists ever to grace the octagon. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my It's God. just, you know, <laughs> I mean, personally for me, I, 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 I feel like this is going to, that people aren't really going to watch this anyway. One, we've seen that most of the lighter fights don't tend to carry a um um most most of the um most of the lighter fights uh, lighter weights don't carry um a, a big crowd you know what i'm saying 135 you're not going to just have a, a a massive crowd anyway you know because of the fact that a lot of us as mma fans believe that the um that this is not a, a fight that should be ha- should have been made. You may have people who are going to boycott it. I probably won't. I mean, if we run the show. You got to watch the fight. But um, I just don't think that it's going to have a, have as many sales as we as as the UFC thinks it's going to. And if it does, then more power to them. But I, yeah. I, it's just not a good fight for me. I don't like it. I say I say let it happen. Just I mean because. There's a ho- it's not the hope that it's going, which I do hope is going to be a great fight. 
I don't care how it goes down. I hope it really is a great fight. But there's some point that, you know, that with Henry Cejudo, he is doing so much that now he he has done a Kobe Covington. He has talked this trash, talked this trash well, to the point now that everybody's like, please shut him up. Okay? Right. Please somebody find him and shut him up. And I think Josie Haldo is the, is the dude to do it. Now, I I would be surprised. I mean, if he is, great. I, I then then more power to Jose Aldo. But I just don't think that Jose Aldo is going to be able to 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 do it. I just I, I think it's going to be bad. Um. So anyway, um, speaking of ch- title fights, D- Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, who, I, as far as I'm concerned is still the 125-pound flyweight champion in the UFC because his belt was stolen, was given away yeah. to Henry Cejudo, who then who then never defended it and, and relinquished it. And now that belt is vacant. Demetrius uh-huh. Johnson left and went to 1FC, and he has been winning fights, won the flyweight tournament, and now is poised to fight for the... 1FC flyweight title at 1 Infinity 1 on Friday, April 10th in Jakarta, Indonesia. This is his opportunity. If he wins this fight, I don't know that there's anyone that can, A, say that he is not the greatest flyweight ever to walk the walk, walk, walk the. Uh, Walk the, planet Earth. walk the planet Earth. Number two, I, I think that you've got to call him one of the pound-for-pound pound greatest fighters on the planet. And three, I think it's at this point you really have to say that he's one of the greatest martial artists. You know, put him at that Bruce Lee level. I agree. Um, I, I He's a complete fighter. Okay, there, if he was... There, I can't think... He has not only been a complete fighter, he has been a complete martial artist. And that's, and that's, it's one thing to be a fighter. Anybody can fight. But it's another thing to be a martial artist. Right. And he exemplifies that very well. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to watch this fight because I need to see this happen. I want to say that I saw greatness happen in the ring. And that man, if, and you know, yeah, he's 125 pounds. But let me tell you something. And over there at one FC, one twenty five means a lot. And from it was not it's not a it was not easy for him to do that over at one FC. If anything, it was easier for him to do it here in the UFC than it was over at the one FC. Right. So I, if you want to watch some true fighting, go there. Mm-hmm. Watch watch some true one twenty five fighter, and you'll see what he goes up against. Yeah, well, that's April tenth. We got some true fighting that's going to be happening this weekend, March the seventh. Oh yes. Let's get into it. This is. I'm looking for. I. I I'm looking for the fight. There it is. The fight card. This is the fight card. This is where we look at the fights that are happening this weekend. UFC 248. 248. Adesanya versus Romero, Saturday, September 7th at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. There are five fights on the card. Max Griffin versus Alex Oliveira. That's going to be a great fight. Uh, yes, it is. Lee Jang Liang versus Neil Magny. That's going to be a terrible fight. Um, Benil Dariush versus Jakar Close I have no opinion about that but Benil Dariush is going to walk out to uh, some type of broken vessels or something like just rock with you by Michael Jackson I don't know that's the man you're supposed to be scared of of all time the man that comes out to to, to, uh, human nature by by Michael Jackson all I know is that there's a dude named Drakkar on the card. If you're named after a men's cologne, you're scary too. In, <laughs> I, I'll give you that. In the co-main <laughs> event, the UFC strawweight champion, this is 115 pounds, Weili Zhang is fighting my girl, Joanna Young-Jacek. 
And in the main event of the evening, the UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, the stylebender, is going to face off against the soldier of God, Yoel Romero. So we're going to make some flash fight picks. Um, you know who Alex Oliveira is. Yes. So Max Griffin, Max Griffin versus Alex Oliveira. Does the uh, Alex, Oliver Griffin get, Alex Oliveira get it done or not? I think he does. Me too. I think he does. Me too. I think it's still, it's going to be pretty quick too. Something tells me it's going to be it's going to be a flash in the pan. All right, I got Alex Oliveira as well. Lee Jane Lang versus Neil Magny. Who you got? Well, you know, if if it's the if it's the if it's still the same Jane Lang that I remember, he is a dirty fighter. Dirty fighter. He will, put, he will punch people in the nuts. He will. Okay, so I. I <sighs> I hope he cleans it up, but I think Neil Magny's gonna gonna end up beating the crap out of him if he, if he just punched in the nards one good time. I mean, he, he, it's gonna be bad. Who are you picking? I'm gonna take Neil Magny on this. You're one. wrong. I'm going with you think, Lee Jane Lang. You, know, you think you got Jane Lang got good the dirty man? He's gonna. He's gonna the I, I, I I would I want to see Neil <laughs> Magny win that fight, but 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 Lee Jane Liang is gonna is gonna win this one. Uh, Benil Darius versus Drekar Close. You're going to go with the guy who walks out with the weird music, or you're going to go with the guy who's named after a men's cologne? Dude, I am always going to go out to the person with the softest music, okay? The guy that comes out with the softest music, you know, Human Nature by Michael Jackson. It, it's, you know, it's rock with you. It's, it's not human. It rock it's rock with you, with you yeah. That's, that's even, that's, that, that'll, hey, that's fine. He comes out with rock with you. He's going to be the winner. Um, no. he's a solid fighter. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him the nod because he's a solid fighter and not because of the music that he walks out to. Co-main okay. event of the evening, Whaley Zhang versus Joanna and Jacek. Who you got? Yeah. Whaley. Uh, it should be Whaley. All right. Cause he's going to Whaley JJ. Oh, wow. That, I like that. I like that. Okay. Whaley JJ. All day. Okay. So if you if you haven't watched if you haven't watched the first UFC embedded for UFC 248 you gotta watch it because it tells the story of Weili Zhang she is based out of of China well so you've got this whole coronavirus that's going on and we talked about it on a previous show where we were concerned at least I was concerned that she wouldn't be able to get a visa because once they start locking down borders she's not gonna be able to get out and she's not gonna be able to get into the United States especially if she's coming for China. And so she talks about how in the middle of her camp, she has to leave in the middle of the night, leave China and go to Thailand. And then when Thailand started getting shut down, she had to leave Thailand and go to Abu Dhabi. And then she went to Abu Dhabi and had to leave Abu Dhabi and go to the United States in the middle of her camp. Because if she didn't leave immediately, she might not be able to be allowed into the United States in order to fight on Saturday night. She made it happen. She is at the UFC Performance Institute getting ready. But my question for you is, is that going to mess with her ability to perform on Saturday night? Is that too much of a distraction as she's getting ready for Joanna Yo young Jacek? It will mess with her ability, but not in the way that you think. I think this is a motivating factor because if you watch that same, the first episode of Embedded, she talks to she she talks about having a conversation with her mom, mm -hmm. and her mom basically told her to pull up your bootstraps and get going. Okay, mm -hmm. and I think, and I think based on top of that, based off the stuff that JJ has said to her in the past, mm -hmm. uh, regardless, mm -hmm. I think she's a little fired up, and I think she's gonna get she that. JJ's about to bite off a little bit more than she can choose. Well, I will make my pick. You guys know that ever since UFC 183, this we're we're 63 uh 63 fight cards since I met Joanna Young Jacek, not in person, but saw her fight. Um I've been on that hype train ever since. And so therefore, I'm going with Joanna Young Jacek. I think she's going to be a technical striker. I think she's going to get on her bicycle, stay away from those big old arms that, that Weili Zhang has attached to her torso. And I think she outpoints uh, Zhang, wins 3-2, to two, and walks away with the title. Um, and in the main event of the evening, Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero. Here's a few few storylines that I think is going to color this event. Um, yesterday, there was a, there's a story that came out. With four days to go, Romero has 13 pounds to lose. Jor, uh, John, do you think he's going to get it lost? Do you think he's going to lose the weight or do you think he's going to come in heavy uh, for a championship fight? He'll lose the weight. Um, this is the, He's done this before. I have no doubt he will lose the weight for this. If it's a tough 
weight cut. Do you think that's going to impact his gas? Absolutely. Okay, we it, it, it better this better be on target because this is the one person that you, especially the fact that he has a, a questionable cardio uh, gas tank, yeah. uh, questionable cardio already. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a man that that really knows how to do punches and bunches and does them well, you this is going to be this is going to be a very critical moment. We'll know come Friday. Uh, well, come well, Thursday at the way at the weigh in. Exactly what he's doing, how he's looking, how he's feeling, and that could tell the whole story of what's going to happen. All right. So the other side of the the other side of the cage, Israel Adesanya was doing an interview, and he reaches up to scratch, and you see this huge bump on his arm. And so everyone started asking, does he have a staph infection? As we know, when fighters are cutting weight, as fighters are getting ready in, in their training, the, their immune system goes down. George has talked about this a lot. And the likelihood of getting a staph infection right before a big fight goes up. That means that your cardio is going to go down because now your heart rate is elevated. There was there was something that said that um, when Kevin Lee fought Tony Ferguson and had a staph infection, his resting heart rate was something like 160. Wow. And I've had staph infection. I, I, I think I can understand that. Um, it's It's not pretty. It doesn't feel good. It does not feel good so, when you have staph infection. So the question is, Israel Adesanya says it was just a scratch. It wasn't a staph infection. A, do you believe Israel Adesanya, and do you think it's going to impact his performance any? B. I, I, I want to believe that Israel believes it's only a scratch. Uh, and will it affect his performance? Yes. All right. If it, if it is staph, it's, it's going to be a problem. All right. So let's make our picks. Who you got, Israel Adesanya, or are you going to go with the upset Yoel Romero, the soldier of God, finally gets his gold. I, I, I you asked me to a fighter that is that is constant versus one of versus the most explosive fighter in the UFC. That he will go slow and he'll stalk you, and then out of nowhere, boom. Yeah. So you got the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. Which one you're gonna pick? I'm gonna pick Israel against my better judgment. I, I think is I, I Israel will get it done in four rounds. Here's my thing. I, I, I think Israel Adesanya is gonna win this fight. I think he's gonna get. I think this fight really isn't gonna be close. And the reason why is because how it, quickly and how easily Israel Adesanya dispatched Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker has had Yoel Romero's number, and. Um, that was a close fight, and this fight wasn't even close between Yoel Romero and, uh, well, between Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya. I think Israel Adesanya is going to run through Yoel Romero, and he's going to be a tough person to beat at 185 pounds for some time to come. So I, I like Israel Adesanya in this fight. I think he's going to win by TKO, um, and, uh, and we're going to see how dirty Yoel Romero will fight because we know that he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeves. Yes, he does. Like I said, he is that guy that will, uh, like I said, you think he's moving slow and he's stalking you. Whether he's moving backwards or forward, he's stalking you. And he has proven many times if you duck your head, he's coming in with a flying knee. Mm-hmm. That's what Israel really has to watch out for, is that if he tries for a takedown, which the chance of him going for a takedown are slim to none with slim going on a diet. But uh, if he does... He's going to catch a knee. Well, Yoel, if he bends over, he's going to catch a knee. Yoel Romero is a great wrestler, and we still haven't seen anyone push Israel Adesanya on the ground. So this, we may actually get to see a wrestling match in this, and we get to see if Israel Adesanya knows how to how to neutralize a wrestler and get back to his feet where he's most comfortable. So this is an interesting fight to watch, and I just want to make sure that we talk about this before we go. If you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, come and join us in the city of Allen, Texas at the Lion and Crown. We are going to do a live show there. If you are not in the Dallas-Fort Worth area... Watch us on uh, on the same channels that you watch us watching or watching us now. We will be doing a live show from the Lion and the Crown. 
for UFC 248 on Saturday, March the 7th. So if you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, join us in the city of Allen and at the Lion and the Crown. Be on the lookout on our website, on our Facebook pages. We will have information floating around about where to go and how to get there. Lion and Crown in Allen. In Allen. There's the one, one in that, Addison. Not, do not go to the one in Addison. Yeah. We will not be we there. We will not be there. We will be in we'll Allen, Texas. All right. Follow us on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Combat Sports Talk. And I'm at Keys to Victory. And that's Keys with a K-E-Y-E-S. All right. Um, you can find our website at www.combatsportstalk.com. And we are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. I want to tell you, I did a search for Combat Sports Talk, and it was like Combat Sports Talk on Apple Music, Combat Sports Talk on Spotify, Combat Sports Talk on Google Play, on iHeartRadio. And it was just like boom, 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 boom. So we are on everything, and we are on YouTube. We are even on Twitch. We are broadcasting live ahora. Um we are in your area, player. That's right. Remember that. Everywhere you want to be. We're like a visa. Um, shout out to MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, MMA Mania, Bloody Elbow, and the Intelligent Defense Discussion Group. Those are all the places where we get our articles and, and we, get to, we get to try out our opinions before we get on the show. Uh, and all the other stories that are providing the great content that we provide on our show. On behalf of John Keyes, I'm Ryan Smith reminding you to keep your hands up, your chin tucked, and throw bombs. We'll catch you next time.